Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast, if you don't know, it's our internet radio show, weekly internet radio show talking all about the USC Trojans, specifically USC football. Today is our 30th episode. We are the big 3-0 today. We have a great show for you coming up. Uh, of course, we have Coach Harvey Hyde in our first segment. We're going to be talking all about USC and Ohio State. We also have Austin Murphy from Sports Illustrated. He's done all kinds of great articles. He covers uh, college football and has written books. So we are going to talk to Austin Murphy. And then we're also going to hear from Pete Carroll himself uh, at the press conference on Tuesday. I have a lot of the audio from that. I was down there at the press conference. We'll get into all that. But first, of course, in the first segment, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, you ready for Ohio State? Am I ready? It's not worried about if I'm ready. Just make sure that the players are ready to play. I'll tell you, a coach can get you ready, but remember, coaches don't play on game day. They just make uh, you know motivational speeches and make sure that the kids are ready to play and they call a good game and and they keep control of the sidelines and they keep the kids focused and so on. So I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm ready for a great football game. And this is what college football is all about. I am so happy that Mike Garrett got together with, uh, I think his name is Gene Smith, the athletic director from Ohio State, and put this type of preseason football game together. I think it's great. I think it's great for Ohio State football. It gives them a break away from Troy and Akron and uh, Youngstown, and it gives them a chance to come out here in the West where they're trying to recruit. You know, they have three players on their roster from California. Yeah, it always helps to play uh, across the country if you can do well. You want to make an impressive showing when you travel out there. And for all of you fans that want to check out this game, if you don't have tickets yet, you know what you should check out. Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for concerts or the theater, anything like that, but what you really need tickets for is the USC Ohio State game. Give them a call over there at sctickets.com. Coach, you got your tickets? I've got, I've got my tickets. And I tell you, I was over at Southern California Ticket Service this week, and they do have them, and guess what? They are reasonable. So don't believe all those things you read in the paper about what these prices are. You can get tickets at a decent price for a game with this much value. All right, yeah. I've heard up to $5,000 on some of these uh, I don't. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe somebody did pay that, you know. But, again, uh, you know, how many were sold at $5,000? Yeah, I, you know, I might sell mine. Yeah, can I sell press passes? I don't know. I don't think t- <laughs> Tim Tessalone wouldn't appreciate that. So I, I didn't say that, Tim. No worries. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, Coach, obviously, the big game this week. Ohio State coming in there. Uh, you know, we, we talked about this before the season. We thought both teams would be in the top five. And it looked like after the first week, both teams would have been in the top three. Ohio State had a little bit of a lackluster performance last week. Ohio University gave up nearly 150 yards rushing. It was a close game in the fourth quarter. Ohio State actually down and a couple big special teams plays kind of went their way and uh, they went on to win. You know, now they're number five. They dropped a little bit in the rankings. Just wanted to get, you know, initial overall thoughts uh, for this huge matchup with Ohio State. Well, I think it's a great matchup, and I think it's a game that Ohio State has been looking forward to, and I think it's a very important game for the Big Ten. I really do out here in 
California, you know, the last few times they've made it to the Rose Bowl. They've lost in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Ohio State would have been in the Rose Bowl if it wasn't for the BCS current setup where they've gone to the national championship game. I think Ohio State and the Big Ten is getting tired of hearing about how slow they are and they don't play as good a football and so on. And people don't have anything else to do, so they go to football games back in the Big Ten. That's why they sell out and they have so many, uh, you know, P fans and so on. You know, I don't believe that. I think that football, football is great everywhere. There's enough athletes to supply every great team. It's taking an athlete and putting him in the position where he has a chance to win and your team has a chance to win. And I think... This game really does represent one conference against another conference. I think uh, Ohio State has been the best the last several years in the Big Ten, and USC has been the best in the Pac-10 the last several years. So it's putting together two real traditional football programs. You know, a lot of people say Ohio State felt they invented the game of football. USC, of course, is is, uh, right now the talk of the nation after their big victory at Virginia. So a lot of people are waiting to see just what might happen against two traditional powers. And and I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to it because everyone's talking about it, and this is what really great college football is about. And for all of you out there, so you know, I've spoken with Eric Palms, who's the executive director of the Orange Bowl. In fact, he's going to be on our pregame show between 2 and 3, before the game, and he says there's a good chance that the loser of this game could still play in the national championship game, which they host this year, because whoever loses this game is still in a position to go on and sweep the rest of their games. So it's a very important game, and it's a big game, and you know, you're not necessarily out of it because it's an early season game where you, well, you know, if SC loses to Ohio State, what are they going to drop down to? four or five, they're still in a position to get back up to the two. And if Ohio State wins, they'll go to one. So it's a great time to play this game. I, I agree with you, Coach. And it's, there's a lot of ramifications early in the season. One of the things, that, I mean, we talked about early season polls before, and that, you know, not real huge fans of that. But how much stock do you put in a game? I mean, is USC as good as they looked at Virginia – and Virginia went on to beat Richmond, I think, 19 to nothing. It was, I think it was 3 to nothing at halftime or something like that. I mean, it wasn't a really impressive performance by Virginia over Richmond. And Ohio State, we've talked about, struggled a little bit with Ohio University. You know, is USC as good as they looked? Is Ohio State as bad as they looked? Is it somewhere in the middle? How does that all work, Coach? Well, you know, let's be honest uh, with all our SC fans. Virginia wasn't the best football team in the country. It was a game that the Trojans knew. that What were they, favored by 20 points or something like that, 20 and a half points? Well, when you're favored by 20 and a half points, you're, you're playing someone that uh, is inferior to you. So, you know, everyone expected them to go down there and win. It was just uh, uh, there were some question marks that everyone wanted to find out. How good would the offensive line play? How would Mark Sanchez be? What would the rotations be as far as the offensive receivers and offensive backs? What would happen on defense? How would the secondary hold up? Uh, you know, all of these different questions you wanted answered, it wasn't necessarily on who was going to win the game. I think everybody knew that USC was going to win the game. But it was just, what do these areas look like? Uh, what needs to be worked on during the bye week to get USC ready to play for a national championship or to play Ohio State? And the offensive line passed the test. But what type of defensive line did they play against? That's one of my questions. Yes, they played well, but 
how strong was the Virginia defensive line. That's why I've spent so much time this week. In fact, last night again on the Big Ten Network, I watched the Ohio State-Ohio game just again to evaluate the personnel, evaluate the speed of the game and, and everything, not with the emotional side of it, but just the technique side of it and so on. So, uh, you know, all of this goes into play. Uh, SC is good. It should be good. It's had some of the top recruiting classes in the nation. Ohio State should be good. Uh, should Ohio State have played better last week? Yes, they should have. Tim Trussell will tell you that himself. Did they play at a rate that a number two team or three team in the country should have played at? No, they did not. They did not get better from the first week emotionally as well as technique-wise. Sure, they didn't have Wells, but they have other great players and other great backs. So they should have played better, and this might be a motivating factor for them as far as getting more ready to play and physically be ready to when you play a little scared. And when you play a little scared, you play a little bigger, a little faster, because you see SC and you know if we play like we played against Ohio, wow, we're going to get trounced on national TV. So it might have put Ohio State in a position to scare them a little bit. And I think SC is really worked up for this football game. I really think they're ready to play. I really think they're looking forward to this game. I think they want Wells to play. I think they take on a Big Ten all-star team right now if they want to bring anybody from anybody else's team. This is really a game that SC is looking forward to playing. I agree with you, Coach. And, uh, you know, I I think the bye week – some people look at it as it came at a good time, but I don't think the players really wanted a bye week after that the impressive win at Virginia. But I wanted to, you know, you've been around a lot of kids when you were coaching. Just kind of talk about the psyche a little bit. I, we've seen, the, I don't know if you want to call it like the USC effect. Or it, it's happened before where a team, you know, like last year, Stanford beats USC, and then they don't really play all that well the rest of their schedule. Or a team like USC comes in and beats a team's brains out, and then they play extreme, like a lot worse after that, just because almost they're kind of like demoralized. Or even like with Ohio State playing not as well as they played in the first week uh, against Ohio University. Yeah, you lose your star, but you know that look ahead factor. You're looking at that. how much. I mean, how big of a swing can can teams have? And you know, there's a lot of guys on the team, obviously, but they're they're 18, 19, 20 years old. I mean, how big are the emotions there? And and, and does it really have a huge effect on the games that you've seen from coaching? I think it does uh, in uh, different ways. I think it does, first of all, now if you're Ohio State and you didn't play well against uh, Ohio and you're looking past a little bit to play against SC, I think it, it puts a little bit of a doubt in you. Uh, are we as good as we're supposed to be? Uh, you know, we lost our national championship game. We beat Youngstown, but so what? Uh, and they started reading the papers like anybody else. Are we slow? Are we that good? And there's that question mark again in their mind. And and all of a sudden, if SC was to jump up on Ohio State, they'd say, oh, no. Uh, They might not have the confidence in their minds that they can pull it out. They'll start remembering all these article and negative things that have happened to them. So that's one side of it. Uh, And I think that's, that's important. When you come off a big win like USC has just come off of, uh, yes, you want to keep playing because of the emotion of the game and everybody's playing well and you, you want to hit another color. But again, I think sometimes it's better not to play. It's better to have a little bit longer to get ready for Ohio State, watch Ohio State play, 
remember, there are only so many times emotionally that you can bring your team to that level of where, hey, nothing matters. And that's the, that's the level that both teams will be at. Will it be easier for SC because they've had more downtime and they've had the weekend off and they watch them play on national TV? Ohio State has to travel across the country. They didn't have a big game. Uh, the people in the stands even not booed them, but they even have a doubt. I was talking to Ohio State boosters before the game. Oh, man, it's going to be a great game out there. We're going to beat your you-know-what and so on. Now when I talk to him, it's that, hey, take it easy on us. Hey, uh, we're not sure. Hey, you know, this type of attitude. So it takes a lot of the confidence away from a team that doesn't play well against a team that's supposed to dominate. And the fans see it, and the fans even lose their their confidence. So, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be a different crowd. It's going to be a scared crowd for Ohio State, and it's going to be a very fired-up crowd for USC. I think it is. I think the, the crowd can be a big factor. I mean, Ohio State will definitely bring out their share of fans, but they're going to, I think there's going to be a big difference here of having, I mean, it's the first home game for USC. Obviously the fans are going to be fired up and the whole factor of having to travel a couple thousand miles. I guess that's one of the more impressive parts of USC's win at Virginia. It wasn't like, okay, Virginia's all that good of a team, but it isn't easy to put 80 guys on a plane and, and bring them all the way across the country and get them on a different time zone and get them to play well. Uh, and I, I think once you do that, and you have to play a tough opponent like USC that Ohio State's going to have to do. And you have to play in a tough environment, which is kind of funny calling the Coliseum a tough environment. But it has got a lot better as far as fan noise and stuff. And I think it's a huge challenge for a team like Ohio State to be able to do that. Oh, it is a huge challenge. You know, a lot of their players have never been to California except for a few of the players that were recruited by USC. So, you know, they are going to be a lot of looks and uh, seeing what freeways are about and and they'll never be stuck in traffic because they'll always have a police escort everywhere they go. But it's going to be a lot of look-arounds and a lot of seeing what's going on and what's California all about and, wow, how can a place be this big? And that all enters your mind, too, uh, when you come from a city of Columbus. I don't know how many people have been in Columbus, but there's not much there. And, uh, and so it's an experience culturally for these kids. A lot of kids have never seen the Pacific Ocean. I don't know. They probably won't take them out there. But, you know, some of the things I might do if I came out early was do that, to take their mind off of the game and relax them a little bit more and be not so tense because you can't have your team tense all the time. Because what happens, the mental fatigue wears you out physically. You, you can't be ready to play on the plane. You can't be ready to play on Friday You've got to be a little bit looser so that on Saturday you're ready to just explode. So sometimes it's good to go around and do some of the things and see the sights and, you know, let people look at you because everybody will look at you. You're a celebrity when Ohio State goes down the freeway with their police escorts or where they eat and so on. You know, they are a a significant uh, image in athletics. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. And the Jim Trussell actually mentioned this yesterday in the press conference. We were there a little early for his press conference, and uh, he called in and let some of the local media uh, ask him some questions. You know, He said he had never been into the LA Coliseum, and he figures most of the players on his team haven't either. And the ones that were recruited by USC obviously have probably been there if they want an official visit or something. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess going into a historic building like that, that could be kind of intimidating as well. But it's, it's a new experience, and it's, it's interesting to see how 
teams handle it when they have to travel. And some teams tend to travel really well. And uh, Pete Carroll has had it down for whatever reason. He can take a team across country in their first game against a tough opponent in a tough environment, and they're completely focused. And that could be something that helps Ohio State even, where you're not as focused to play Ohio University at home, but you're going to be focused to play the USC Trojans on the road. Oh, it'll be a real experience for Ohio State to play in the Coliseum. First of all, when they walk in the locker rooms, unless they've done some work in the locker room since last year, they will walk in the locker rooms, and you know what they'll say? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's what they're going to say. Are you kidding me? Because uh, you've been in there, Ryan. Uh, it is a real experience. It's like going into the real Coliseum in Rome. I mean, it, 19, it really is. 1932 it, Olympics, right, Coach? I mean, it, 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 it's been it there really a long is. time. It, <laughs> it is a real experience. And, you know, a lot of times that takes the focus away from the team. They start talking about the locker room. Can you believe this? How do they recruit anybody to this school? I'll tell you, Hayden Fry, when he was at Iowa, you, you probably know this because you know a lot about football. What Hayden Fry did, he painted the visiting locker room at the University of Iowa pink. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> yeah. Pink. Because he had a study done by psychologists and all of this to find out what is the most relaxing color or color that really puts you into that nice, calm, relaxed feeling. And the color's pink. So he had the locker room painted pink. The entire locker room is pink. So when the visiting team comes in, they, they see this pink, and, <laughs> and they all sleep. No, but, you know. They take a you, nap. You try, they play yeah, lullabies they and stuff. Yeah, right. So, you know, but it, being in the Coliseum, unless they fix those locker rooms up, that'll be a topic of discussion. Definitely. All right, Coach. Well, hey, we uh, we mentioned this last week. We have a little email contest. If uh, anyone wants to send in questions, what you do, if you want to ask the coach or myself or whoever on the podcast a question, email podcast at uscfootball.com. And I was having shirts made up this week. I should have them by this weekend. Uh, uscfootball.com, like they say, win forever on them, like kind of one of the Pete Carroll slogans. So I said, anyone, whoever gives the best question for the week, will answer it on the air and we'll uh, give you a free T-shirt. So I got a whole bunch of questions, obviously. I mean, you, you ask people for questions, they'll send you some, but when you, you tell them you'll give them a T-shirt and you get a whole bunch more. So I was going through some of the questions with Coach. Here's the one we picked. It's from Mark. In Dana Point, California, he he actually was very confident. He gave his shirt size, Coach. I don't know if I should have disqualified him right there, but he did have a good question. Um, it's about the USC offense and the spread, and I'll just kind of paraphrase here that the college football world is switching over to the spread, uh, and you know, on kind of a mass scale. A lot of the teams are going with the spread. USC's been able to recruit really top tier talent for the years Pete Carroll's been around with a lot of speed at every position and and speed to spare which you would think would work well in an offense like the spread that you kind of spread out the defense and use your athletes to, to work in space. Do you ever think coach that, you know, Pete Carroll or the USC program would ever switch over to running a, an offense like the spread? Well, you know, I don't think they have to. They're 77 and 14 over the last few years. Uh, I think most of the teams that have gone to the spread offense have done that to try to, improve their programs. You know, it all started with uh, Urban Meyer uh, at Utah. He won a BCS Bowl game uh, running that, and he took that offense down to Florida, of course, and 
they've been great down there. But, and, and then you see Illinois last year turning it around with Juice Williams and Mendenhall. And you see now Minnesota running it. You see uh, Terrell Pryor now. Ohio State will probably go to that next year to equalize uh, their chances of winning a national championship and get away from some of the smash-mouth football they do. You see Michigan now going to it now with Rich Rodriguez. You see people changing it, but during the period of time you change it, you've got to have the correct athlete. You've got to do it in advance, which means you've got to have a Terrell Pryor. You've got to have a Pat White. You've got to have someone at Juice Williams or Dixon that played at Oregon that runs the spread to be able to make this a – uh, an offense that's efficient to be able to take care of it. You've got to have the running backs. You've got to know it. You've got to, you know, when you, you, you huddle up on the line of scrimmage. There's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you do to uh, speed up the game and cause problems for the defense. Uh, and it has worked at those schools, and it's been very successful. If you remember a few years back, it was the wishbone. It was the veer at Houston that started. Then it went with the wishbone. And then it, then it's now, you know, things change, the eye formation. And from the eye formation, everybody was running the eye, the, the West Coast offense, which everyone was talking about. Now everybody's talking about the spread offense. You even see it in high school and everywhere. So, you know, it takes a little bit of a different athlete. You don't have to have a pure quarterback playing quarterback. You put an athlete at quarterback. He's almost a freak, if you want me to tell you the truth. He's got to be a great runner, and he's got to be a, a, a somewhat sufficient passer. He doesn't have to be a, a great drop-back passer. You don't see these guys really going in the NFL and playing well. Vince Young uh, did it at at uh, Texas, but he hasn't been what you might call a very successful pro because he's a runner and he's an athlete more than he is a passer. So I don't think you'll see SC going to that because SC does what it does well, and they know what they're doing, and uh, they execute what they execute. And uh, uh, that sometimes happens to spread offense to teams that are trying to uh, improve their, 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 their football program. East Carolina. I mean, we can go through them all. I can I can name them to you. Uh, the Big Ten now is starting that movement. You can see it with the teams I just mentioned. So they're trying to equalize things out too. So, yeah, I think uh, other teams it's been very successful for, but I don't think SC will do that. No. Yeah, and uh, coach, if you see, I just don't see them fixing something that isn't broke. And it, the only way they could do that is if Pete Carroll brought in some a different offensive coordinator uh, like they did up in Oregon where you bring in a spread guy. I just don't see that part of his philosophy. And and I think when you say spread offense, it's a pretty general term. I think what people are referring to is more like the zone read stuff where it's like an, it's kind of like an option where you can hand off and then back up and pass and, and, and make that mobile quarterback make some plays. I mean, I think USC does a good job of spreading out defenses, but it's not, I mean, there's different aspects to the spread offense, and I think the one that people focus on is the one where you have that athletic mobile quarterback who can run that kind of zone read plays and, and use his feet to make plays as well as his arm. No, you're right, and uh, we mentioned several programs that have done that very well, but now look at uh, Oregon last year. They lose Dixon, and their whole offense went to heck for the end of the year. They came back and won their bowl game, but you put so much faith in that athlete, unless you have a stockpile of those type of players – at that position, if you lose that quarterback, then it's all over with. 
So uh, you've got to recruit those type of athletes, and you've got to know what you're doing with that offense, and it does cause you a lot of problems. Let's face it. Yeah, you see and it in Michigan the- right now, Coach. I mean, who knows how their season's going to turn out. I mean, obviously they didn't have a great first week, but that's like installing that kind of offense where you don't really have the athletes yet. It's going to be interesting to see how their season plays out and if they do get better as the season wears on. Right, and also it causes you as a defensive coordinator to recruit a different type of defensive player because now you're not going to get the big, slow defensive players that are strong inside for the smash-mouth game. You've got to get the tall, lean player that can run and keep up with the offensive uh, option game and all these different things that the spread offense causes for you. So it changes the game. When, uh, but you know what happens always, Ryan, is everything catches up with everything. And before long, there'll be some new offense uh, that's out there or a new defense that's out there, and you'll see someone have success with it. Then all of a sudden, you'll find everybody gathering at that school or going to clinics and then starting to run that next. Cool. All right, Coach. Boy, we're out of time for this segment, but I really appreciate you uh, coming in and talking Ohio State next week. We'll be able to break down the game and uh, look forward to Oregon State the following week, another OSU. But, Coach, thanks again for joining us. And thank you, and that'll be a Thursday game. Thursday game, yes. We're going to have to have a special podcast right before the game. That'll be great stuff. But, uh, yeah, thanks again to our sponsor for this segment, sctickets.com. Check them out if you need Ohio State tickets. And stay tuned. We're going to come back after a really short break and talk to Austin Murphy from Sports Illustrated. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. It's our second segment. We have a very special guest in this segment. Famous writer on college football, Austin Murphy from Sports Illustrated. Austin, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? Ryan, I'm well, and you're right. I am famous. Um, <laughs> you know, when I go home and, uh, for Christmas and things like that, uh, I'm very well known in my own family. And the I wife, appreciate the, the plug. Oh yeah, the wife and kids. Uh, definitely. If you haven't, uh, if you haven't heard of Austin Murphy, you should check, definitely check him out. It's a great book. Came out a couple years ago, I believe. Saturday Rules: A Season with Trojans and Domers and Gators and Buckeyes and Wolverines. So it was a great book. Uh, Austin was nice enough to. Send me down a copy, and I, I really enjoyed it. So, Austin, uh, thanks for doing that. And uh, where can readers find that book if they want to check it out? You know, it just came out in paperback, so it's in major bookstores and on, uh, you know, uh, web outlets as well. Um, Saturday Rules is not a list of rules, but really of reasons why, you know, the college game is so much more passionate and fun and interesting 
than what I describe as the corporate clinical, you know, anodyne NFL where you need a waiver from the league to wear a suit on the sideline. And I think, you know, what's, what's happening this week is, is sort of just exhibit A. There is excitement in the air. Um, I'm in a hotel actually right now and uh, starting to see some some crimson uh, coming through the door. The, the, the Buckeyes have already begun to arrive. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting week out here in SoCal. Uh, you're here. Uh, normally, you live up in Northern California. You came down here for the press conference and stuff, and you'll be coming back later in the week. What have uh, you been overall thoughts so far visiting SoCal and going to practices and stuff uh, heading into this game? You know, I've just, I've just uh, I was down here a week ago. Tuesday's a great day to come down because Pete gives his talk. They make a lot of players available, and then you can get a bunch of guys coming off the field after practice. So uh, I was down here last week for our preview piece, which was uh, it's going to be uh, we focus on uh, on the game through the through the eyes of the two great middle linebackers, James Larionitis and Ray Maluga. Um, that uh, that issue uh, is on newsstands today or tomorrow. Uh, but just watching practice, uh, you know, I haven't been down here. Didn't see any spring. Um, I'm just, I'm struck by uh, what I see offensively. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, take reps. You know, with the twos before, um, but it just looks like a different animal out there. And it, it you know, I, it, it, it's early yet, but it looks like an upgrade on on what you've had here. Yeah, from John David Booty. I think one of the most important factors, and you've seen a lot of college football, I, I thought John David Booty was a really good quarterback, and he was a really nice kid. And, uh, you know, he was always nice to the media. His personality was a little different. I mean, Mark is fiery. He plays with so much heart, and it just seems like the guys rally around him. I mean, is that something you've seen over your years covering college football when, when a quarterback that has that kind of personality? It just kind of tends it it just makes everyone else play a little better yeah i mean coaches are always talking about the importance of the quarterback in particular being you know a natural leader um and when they're not you know we say they're they're leading by example or they're showing composure uh you know in the face of adversity but it's clear to me that sanchez is a more uh he he more closely embodies what what Pete Carroll's all about, you know, he's trying to get these guys into a place where they're comfortable and they can tap into, you know, the prodigious gifts that got them a scholarship to USC. And you, you see how they do that on, you know, on Saturday, uh, you know, four or five hours before the game, they go nuts in some meeting room um, in a good way. I think that's what uh, what Ray Smalls was so sort of alienated by the Ohio State player who took a visit here a few years back and didn't know what was going on. Um, and I think Sanchez's heart on his sleeve, emotions, uh, you know, are completely, you know, they, they dovetail with Pete's philosophy. And um, I'm just not surprised at all, but, you know, with his early success. Now, were you surprised with uh, those Ray Smalls comments? They, uh, uh, Bill Plasky from the LA Times actually brought that up with Jim Tressel yesterday at the press conference and, Plaschke kind of wrote a scathing piece in the LA Times this morning. I don't know if you got to see that or not, but he thought it was going to be some kind of rallying cry that he just felt that Ohio State didn't get it, that this is that the way that Ohio State plays isn't necessarily good or bad, but just because you play this kind of more boring, traditional type of game doesn't mean that other schools 
like USC that really just kind of plays with so much emotion, they don't have to play that way. Yeah, no, I, I actually got into that a little bit. I, I wasn't surprised by what Ray said. I, I don't know um, how, um, I don't know that he's uh, an incandescent intellect, um, sense of issues uh, in Columbus, but uh, looking at Maluga and Larry Nidus and talking to an NFL scout about each his prospects, you see that what each is bringing, their strengths and their skill sets, reflect the programs that produce them, where, you know, you remember Ray as a sophomore uh, was still just all over the place. He was a freelancer. He was just, you know, he, he told me he just wanted to hear his name over the Coliseum loudspeakers. So, you know, he, even if it meant leaving his gap unfilled, uh, you know, a little bit of the time. But there was something there that, that just, just a pure, raw talent that, that Carroll could not resist. And he ended up uh, beating out a much sounder and much smarter player, Oscar Lua. Larry Nidus uh, is a guy who showed up at high school meetings. You know, he, he slept around this green binder in high school. He was big on taking game film home with him and writing, you know, sketching every single play that the opponent ran. He's been a student of the game forever. And he's just, you know, he's probably better at getting the defense in position, you know, making the checks and, and, and diagnosing uh, earlier the play uh but you know this is how this is how pete has built this you know mini dynasty out here doing it that way you um you know you you value uh i don't know at, at the end of the day you're you're allowed to be a little wild you know to these peak experiences he's trying to he's trying to produce them and, and putting people in place to do that and it's not the traditional way it's done and you know I've been to Columbus and I've been to USC and I know which place is more fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just even going to practices. Like I've, I've talked to a lot of the people that cover other schools from rivals and, and they they marvel at the kind of access that we're given here. And, and the fact that Pete Carroll lets fans come into practice and we can talk to any player we want on any given day, pretty much. I think the only restrictions were a few years ago when Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart were so big, it was hard to, to get them. So there was only a couple of days, but I mean, is it for you as a member of the media that go around and cover different programs? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously just covering one team. Is it more interesting to come to a place that's open like this and there's fans or is that more annoying for you? No, it's great. It's so much easier to do your job. I mean, um, the, the, these, these programs that are so steeped in this tradition, not that SC doesn't have its own glorious tradition. It's just a different kind of tradition. Um, you're out here in a major market, and they understand that um, you know people that the media is going to want to talk to their guys, and they they see the value in that. You go to Columbus, you go to Ann Arbor, and um, you know the attitude is sort of what can't I do for you? You know, it's, it's we're going to put these guys behind the wall. Practice is closed, and I think this you know because that's how Woody did it, and that's how Bo did it, and we reverence this tradition, and it's, it's like a museum, and. You know, that culture, um, I think it leads to a, a tightness, you know, like a, a sort of ratcheted up pucker factor that you see every time a Big Ten team comes out here, whether, you know, whether it's for a bowl, um, um, and they, they play tight and they get their heads handed to them by a very a loose, relaxed team that, um, that is, uh, you know, just, just peaking at the right time. 
know, that's not a prediction for what's going to happen Saturday. I'm just saying that, you know, uh, it, it would, I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, if SC just puts the wood, to the, the wood to these guys because we saw it with, you know, those Arkansas games, these early out-of-conference games, um, the opponent comes in and, uh, you know, it's as if they were dynamiting fish. You know, they're stunned by the speed, uh, and, and they can't cope with it early on. SC gets a big win, and then they, you know, then they go into their conference play and, and start sleepwalking in Corvallis or something. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely happened a few times lately. It, it is interesting that you bring up the the fact. I mean, Pete Carroll's record out of conference, especially early in the season, has just been impeccable. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you said about being loose. And there, he lets the kids still be kids. I mean, you, you have to have a certain sense of discipline. And, and I think he tries to do that as best he can. But obviously, any coach, you're not, I mean, if you're at Duke or Stanford, you have a hundred young men, it's hard to keep everyone in check. And uh, if you have a lot of great athletes, obviously, it's probably even a little bit harder. But he kind of lets guys, you know, be themselves and show some emotion. And he got Really emotional yesterday at the press conference talking about that Jake Locker play. Uh, he just seems to be a, just a player's type of coach. I'm not sure I see the advantage of you know not letting players talk to the media and not. I mean, it just. I mean, I've seen it work with Pete Carroll. I don't know why other schools aren't opening up their program more and letting these players kind of experience life and experience everything besides what the coach is telling them. I think it. You know, you're saying. It, these, these men are um, hardwired to um, to control, to uh, micromanage, to you know take uh, whatever control they have. And if they can deny you this access, they will. And you know they what they're saying that they're sparing these uh, these young student athletes the you know the distraction of having to answer some questions. But in my experience. Uh, you know, guys sort of don't mind um, hearing their name on the radio or, or being quoted in the paper. Uh, I just think it's a control issue. Um, it's doing things the way they've always been done. You know, we talked about Pete's, uh, you know, Pete's sort of at the other side of the spectrum and wide open. And yet, one of the things that strikes me as I watch the team practice here, and as I, I saw some of their game, uh, I was out in uh, Atlanta for Alabama Clemson, uh, when SC was opening with Virginia, um, you know, I've heard the argument made that Pete uh, and the program sort of it, there was this creeping conservative conservatism that got into uh, defensive play in particular uh, the last couple of years, um, and that they're just, you know, they've pulled out all the, all the stops. It seems like uh, maybe it's the experience on defense. You know, everybody's they've got some, a bunch of three-year starters back there. But they're just maybe a little more aggressive and cutting loose. And, and you know, maybe now this means, you know, the, the turnover numbers will, will start to come back up. But uh, both sides of the ball just look uh, really dangerous. Yeah, and that, I guess one of the most important factors of this game is going to be the uh, running back play for Ohio State, and uh, you know, it looks like Beanie Wells is going to play. Um, this kind of get your overall thoughts on that. I mean, USC's had a really uh, impeccable record against 
great running backs for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know if it's just because Pete Carroll loves, likes to focus on that, but when they played Adrian Peterson or uh, Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Cadillac Williams, or I mean, all those guys, they just seem to have below average games when they faced a, a Pete Carroll defense. And I think Beanie Wells, if he's not 100%, it's gonna, he could have some tough sledding there on Saturday. I agree. And I don't know that, you know, I, I don't see how the guy's going to be 100% if he was, you know, some mysterious uh, jammed forefoot uh, injury uh, is how it's been described. It sounds like it might be a combination of turf toe sprain. Um, but I agree. Um, you know, the, the, the defenses under Pete have been A, terrifically fast sideline to sideline, and B, I mean, people don't talk about this as much as they're really, really fundamentally uh, sound. And, uh, you know, they just stay in their gaps, even Ray, most of the time. Um, and and you know, I'm not surprised that uh, that they haven't given up the huge, uh, you know, run, uh, huge day to, to running backs. Um, all I know is that if Wells doesn't go, um, the Buckeyes are, I guess, I guess it'll mean we'll see more of Terrell Pryor because they're going to need some, you know, they're going to have to jack up the playmaking somehow. Um, but the, the backs behind him, um, really didn't get it going until played against the Ohio ball. All right. Well then one last one on this Ohio state game It's kind of, how do you see the game playing out? I don't know if you're in the, uh, the business of predictions, but just how do you think that the game is going to go on Saturday? Uh, how have uh, how has SC? I just think we're going to get some quick strikes early on. Um, SC uh, loses the toss, gets the ball seven uh, nothing early. Um, I was I was talking to Patrick Turner yesterday after practice, uh, sort of congratulating him on you know he had a couple of nice grabs against Virginia and he seems to have gotten past whatever was ailing him uh, last year. He was just talking about how, man, we got guys everywhere. Um, and, and, and he's right. I, I, I don't see. I know they're, you know, they're loaded on defense, but they're not going to be able to stop this offense if, you know, if they're even close to what they showed two weeks ago. So I'm, um, I'm talking around your question. I'm not answering it. I have no <laughs> idea how it's going to play out, and, uh, and I defend my right to do that. That, that's cool. I, I thought it was like, wow, he's, he's telling me who's going to win the toss and everything. That's, that's good. <laughs> well, what do you think? How do you see it going? <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to matter that much with Beanie Wells because I didn't think it was going to be 100%. So I, I almost felt that Ohio State would be better off with like a 100% backup than an 80% Wells just because of the way Pete Carroll's played those guys. But I, I just think they're going to have a really hard time stopping the balanced USC offense and yeah, anything can happen. And you know, Ohio State's not going to be as bad as they looked last week, and USC probably won't be as good as they looked two weeks ago. But I, I do see them covering the spread and winning this game by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised by that or ten. But what, what is the spread right now? I think it's like between like eight and ten. I've heard different different numbers, so it's oh. somewhere like that. I mean, it's I, I you, just you I, make a good point. Your point that uh, that uh, that Ohio State is not going to be as sort of flat as they came out last week is valid. I think uh, you know fans who who are expecting something like that will be uh, taken aback. You know that everybody gets 
everybody gets sort of a mulligan once in a while, and um, that that was their mulligan. They're they're you know they're a much better team than they showed, and 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 also they, obviously they were concealing a lot on offense. Uh, so can't wait. It's going to be great. Well, Austin, before we let you go, one last thing. Um, you know, you've been covering college football since I believe 1984 for Sports <laughs> Illustrated, right? Uh, but you get to do some other fun projects. And uh, we, we were having dinner last night, and you were telling – I can't remember. I had a couple of drinks. I don't remember all the details. But something about, like, the Jersey Shore and some girls came down from Long Island with face painting or something. I don't know. Something along those lines. Can you kind of tell that story? Sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me about the – you know, Lance's comeback in the Tour de France. No, um, oh, I yes. think you're referring to the occasional swimsuit assignment that I get. And a few years ago, uh, I was dispatched to Richard Branson's private island in the Virgin Islands. Um, they were just uh, introducing the concept of um, of body painting. And <clears throat> my job was to um, to observe the body painting and make friends with the the artist and to pretend really to be interested in the process and the, you know, the watercolors and how, you know, in the humidity, it made it difficult. Um, but my job was also to, to leer and be sophomoric. Um, <laughs> and I succeeded on all those counts. The key really was looking the models in the eye, um, you know, locking it on the eye. And after a while, um, you know, they began to think of the paint as a layer of clothing. And so they weren't, quite as creeped out by my presence um but it was uh, it was an interesting long weekend with heidi klum and rebecca remain and Emila diaz uh lovely south american model who um i actually pretended um to be a smoker so just so that i could sort of sit next to her at the bar and uh, <laughs> smoke cigarettes um that she loaned me and talk about the south american economy um Good times, Ryan. More on this later. Wow. So, uh, yeah, you you live a rough <laughs> rough life there, Austin. Like watching the most well, beautiful women in the world be naked and get painted. Yeah, I mean that's. I wish I wish I could say that you were exaggerating in some way, but that's just exactly uh, how the weekend went down. Uh, I, um, you know, on the other hand, you could say that uh, that was that was five or six years ago, and it marked you know, really the peak of my existence on this planet. Um, <laughs> it's all going to be downhill uh, from here. But but we know that's not true either. No. We got, we, at we, least, got kick, we got kickoff coming up. Yeah, you just got a big game coming up on Saturday. But Austin Murphy, check out his book, Saturday Rules. This week at Sports Illustrated, you can read a story about Laurenitis and Malaluga. Thank you very much for joining us today, Austin. A pleasure, Ryan. All right. Take care of yourself. Everyone else, stay tuned. We'll be back after a quick break. We'll hear from Pete Carroll from the USC Press Conference. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans. To get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.
We are back at the Peristyle Podcast, sponsored by uscfootball.com. Thanks very much for joining us in this 30th episode, and thanks to our guests Austin Murphy and Coach Harvey Hyde. Our final segment, we're going to focus on Pete Carroll and what he said at the press conference. But first, I just want to take a chance to thank our sponsor for this segment, Tailgate Haven. Tailgatehaven.com. So tailgating season is starting up. We're going to actually have our huge uscfootball.com tailgate right in front of Dado Field. Uh, on Child's Way between McClintock and Vermont. We'll be there starting about 6 a.m., so anyone wants to come by, tailgate with us. We'll have the uscfootball.com RV out there. But we actually put our tailgate up on tailgatehaven.com, and you can put yours up there too and link to other friends that go to your tailgates and put up pictures and all kinds of cool stuff. So it's free. Go in there, register. It just takes a minute or two. Check it out, tailgatehaven.com. And don't forget, you can come by our tailgate on Saturday, and USC takes on Ohio State. All right, so we're going to play a few audio clips from Pete Carroll's press conference. First one is kind of an interesting story he told about his first year coaching at Ohio State. He only spent one year there. One of the beat writers asked him about that. He was a defensive assistant in the secondary way back in 1979. I remember a lot. It was an extraordinary experience. You know, we had come from Iowa State with Coach Bruce, and and he got the job after Coach Hayes uh, took off and and, – uh, we went in there, you know, with really high hopes and expectations, and, and felt like we had kind of an insider's view because Earl Bruce had been there, you know, and coached with Woody for so long and played there and, and all that. And he 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 really conveyed to us that he had a sense for what it took to win at Ohio State, and he was on it. And we had a great year, and we won every game and against a lot of great players that played, in, you know, in the NFL for years. We had good matchups in the in the conference and and. Uh, uh, just it was a really historic year. We won big a lot, you know, and uh, um, great offensive players and defensive players. And, and he just orchestrated it beautifully. And uh, you know, save the the last four minutes of the last game, you know, when when Charlie White goes to town and, and kicks butt, you know, and they win the, the Rose Bowl, we hit, we were all but perfect, you know. And and uh, it was a really extraordinary year. The history of that program uh, um, is obvious. The the great heritage that they have that, that lives through those players and those famous names that we grew up watching and stuff. Those guys still love their program and hang around just like USC to, to the, you know, to something that they hold very dear to their heart. There's a lot of similarities in it and, and uh, uh, the great historic matchups that you have, you know, and, and, and the great stadiums and things. It's, there's a lot of similarities that, that and I love being part of again because I, I saw it for the first time at Ohio State, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, one of my favorite memories is I'm sitting up in, in the, uh, uh, I think it's John's Arena or something, uh, St. John's Arena, whatever it is, the old basketball place, and I was looking out the window and I saw uh, uh, Coach Hayes walking down the sidewalk across the parking lot, and I'd never seen him before, you know, and, and so I just dropped everything and took off, ran across the parking lot and, and met him about halfway down. He was walking home from, from teaching the class, I think. And uh, and I introduced myself, and we walked for about ten minutes. And he knew who I was, and I was all thrilled. You know, he even knew you know knew that I was one of the new coaches, and we talked football. And and that was my one chance I had to visit with him. You know, and and uh, to me that was a really special moment. You know, with with the guy that was, you know, great impact in, to our football college game and, and to everything that stands for football. You know, and all of that. So, uh, but there was a lot of memories that year, and a lot of cool stuff that happened, and a lot of great names that, and people that we dealt with. That was really fun. All right, next up, uh, Pete Carroll was asked about the linebackers, great linebackers from Ohio State and USC. Here he is comparing the two. Well, our guys are, our guys are really 
classic linebackers, you know, in their attitude, in their approach, they're physical, they're tough, they run well, they love the game, uh, they're, they're really good all-around athletes that, that can make plays in space and can make plays in tight areas, uh, they bring it, they, uh, they're the kinds of guys that their teammates respect and regard highly because of their toughness, you know, all of the things that, that you know, kind of classic about, about great linebacker play, um, and so... Uh, you know, they're they're hopefully going to be you know continue to be big parts of our you know our defensive play. Uh, we you know they're feet in featured spots you know and and we count on those guys to make all kinds of things happen. They're good enough athletes where they play on special teams and contribute there as well. You know so uh, these guys are pretty classic. Uh, Ohio State's linebackers are really good. They're they're a little different style. They're they're quick, agile, athletic. Uh, featured in their scheme, they pressure a lot. They, they they put them in positions a lot to make big things happen, and they do it. Uh, Leonidas can do everything. You know, he's a, an extraordinary player. It's a really cool opportunity for people that love football to watch these guys on both sides of the ball. Uh, it's rarely rare that you would get this many guys that uh, will have big futures and, and upsides. Uh, you know, as you see in this game, but uh, we have great respect for what they can do and how they play as, as well. The Big Ten gets a lot of flack about the lack of speed in that conference, and uh, Pete Carroll was having none of it. He did not think the speed factor would be an issue. Not at Ohio State. It doesn't. I don't know about the rest of the league, but not at Ohio State. These guys can fly. They they're really fast, and they're as, as athletic and as fast as anybody we've played in all of the years we've been together here. So uh, I don't know about the rest of the conference, but they got they got some track teams on their on their football team now. Pete Carroll got a chance to talk about that controversial call that happened up in Washington when uh, Jake Locker threw the ball over his shoulder after scoring a touchdown. They gave him a penalty. Pete Carroll doesn't agree with that call, and he doesn't think that that call is good for the game. Here he is on that topic. Well, um, you know, just you give me a chance to talk on this topic. Let me say something about it. uh, You know, I think the spirit of the rule um, that's – in my opinion, is, is set out so that guys can't demonstrate their uh, in the opportunity when they do something good that takes away from the game and it draws attention to the individual or draws focus because of an orchestrated something or other. And uh, that's not what we want in football, and I'm a 1,000% behind that. Um, but this game is, is emotional and packed with uh, uh, extraordinary moments and, and uh I don't care if you're 18 years old or if you're playing in the NFL for, for 20 years. You know, when things happen, uh, the elation and the excitement that occurs is going to generate some kind of response. Or we're not human, and we need to let that happen, and we need to understand it somehow. I'm not saying it's easy. There's a, a laundry list of things that you can't do, you know, but it, there's not a list of things that you can do, you know. You know, jump up and down and whatever it is, and, and particularly in a moment of where a game is on the line, for a call like that to happen, and I'm not faulting anybody on this, but for a call like that to happen to take away from the result of the game is not what the, the, the rule was meant for. You know, it's to help our coaches uh, police our guys and the actions that they take and all that. When guys do flips, you get penalties, you know, and they deserve them, and that, that's wrong kind of stuff. But when a guy just, you know, explodes at the moment, you've got to have some latitude there, and you've got to understand that this is a game. We don't want to take that away from the game. Am I going to tell my guys, this is just the question you asked, don't be excited when you score a touchdown. We're doing everything we can to flip the ball to that ref as soon as we can and, and get on about our business of having a blast. We play this game because we love it. We play this game because of the challenges and the, and the opportunities for extraordinary things to occur. And we don't want to dampen that. For what are we doing it for? What's the point? You know. So uh, 
<clears throat> hopefully this will be a wake-up call and, and guys will, will understand. I don't know how the officials have taken to this. We're not changing what we're doing. We're going we're gonna to try and stay with the guidelines that we've had uh, and, and trying to do the right thing. And even at that, with all of the, the examples that we see, you know, from stuff that happens on Sundays, you know, and then these kids grow up thinking and dreaming about that being part of their life someday, it's hard for them to, to you know, curtail things at times because they, they do it in their yards, they do it in their backyards, in their, in their bedrooms at night when they're thinking about scoring touchdowns or dreaming about it, you know. But they, there is a right and a wrong here, and hopefully the officials can, can do the best they can and figure that out as well. And We don't take something away from the game that's so awesome about it. So uh, you know, we're, we're trying, and we're gonna, you know, we'll do the best we can to demonstrate in the right way to do it. Keep flipping that ball to the ref is what we try to do when we score our touchdowns. And all, so. Finally, from Pete, we hear about the tailback rotation and how he keeps all these tailbacks happy. Well, philosophically, what we do is we're trying to put our guys in positions to do what they do well. And some guys do things differently than others. Some guys have a knack for this and for that. And particularly when they're young, we're trying to put guys in positions to do things that they really already know how to do well so that they can be confident, they can execute well, and all of that. As we go, we develop more for their guys. Our guys are different. They're not all the exact same guy. And so we use our guys differently, and we try to find niches for them within our, our scheme. And so we just build it in as we're trying to win. That's all. We're just trying to win. It has nothing to do with anything other than we're trying to win. There's no committee. We don't talk like that. We don't have a, a set plan. We go play football. And uh, sometimes some guys play more than others. You know, it depends on what's going on. And uh, the, the system as it is, is is just one to try and find a way to do what we can do to help us score touchdowns and win games. And, and then we worry about the rest of the stuff later on. Fortunately, we've had tremendous success with more than one guy playing a position. And, it, and there's benefits to one guy playing. There's benefits to more than that. You know, I, you see a lot of NFL teams now playing with two backs and trying to feature more than one guy because it's so hard for one guy to make it through the season. Their careers are shortened, and running backs' life, lifelines are a lot shorter than other positions for obvious reasons. And so uh, you know, there's a lot of backing to why, you know, how, why it works and how it works. But most of it is feel, and we do it feeling our way through the game plan preparation and then feeling our way through the game, and we go with what we think is the right thing to do. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back next week reviewing Ohio State, previewing Oregon State, and talking more and more about USC Trojan football. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.